listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J. M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Proof Text. I'm Michael Halcom and I'm here with Dr. Fred Long. Fred, how are you? Hey, good. Good, Michael. How are you doing? Um, all right, I got my uh, sweatshirt on here. You got a sweater on. It's cold here, man. It's it's below freezing. Uh, the power went out this morning. I don't know why there was some kind of fire, but in some sub unit. Um, but yeah, I noticed you had your your hoodie uh, on over your head. What's going on? Yeah, it was, uh, it's it's rainy season. Start of rainy season here, so it's cold. Um, yeah, not. Do you guys have snow? No, no, no but snow. it is frost potential on the windows for sure. It's below freezing at overnight. Mm. Yeah, our water is starting to freeze up on the surface. Oh, wow. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so lots of rain going on here, monsooning kind of outside. But, well, we are uh, we're picking back up. It's been a little bit since we've recorded on Galatians. So we're at Galatians 6, 2, and 3 today. So yeah. For those of you who are watching, I'm going to put the text up on the screen. And if you're just listening, that, of course, is just fine as well. Um, so let me do that here. And there we go. This is uh, stepbible.org. And uh, if you haven't used this site, you should really go check it out. It's a great website. Um, so going to, oh, it doesn't look like it's showing up. Can you see the screen, Fred, or no? Not yet. No? Yeah, it looks like it's struggling to... Uh, oh, there, there it is. All right, so I'm going to read the Greek, and if there's anything I need to point out, then uh, I'll do that. Then we'll talk about the what's going on in the verse, and then uh, recycle that. So here we go. Galatians 6.2 Alelon tavare vastazete ke utos anapleirosete um, yeah, so just one thing I notice here with the double lambda in the first word, alelon. So there's three lambdas there, but you have that double lambda. Remember, when you get a double letter like that, you tend to hold it out for just a split second longer, alelon. You don't mm. have to be dramatic about it, but um, alelon, rather, rather than ale, alelon. Alelon, just kind of holding it for a second. Um, yeah, and just as you're reading, remember that the emphasis, the stress on a word goes wherever the accent mark falls. I think for some of these, uh, as English native English speakers, we want to put the accent usually like near the end, sometimes near the yeah. beginning. Those ones that are in the middle of the word are kind of the um, harder ones. So this is alelon, and then bastazete, where we might want to say something like bastazete or something like that. But anapleirosete. So, anyways, pay attention to where the accents fall because that's where the intonation is. Yeah, I'm. What I'm seeing in terms of, I've been seeing a lot of uh, vetas and then alphas. Yeah. Um, it seems, 
I don't know. It seems uh, friendly. I don't know. The ah, va sounds are kind of nice sounds, pleasant mm. sounds, but I don't know if that's true. Mm. It just oh. seems positive to me. Well, there's no conjunction. So that's one of the first things I look for is conjunction. So this is a syndeton. Uh, and so there's, this indicates, in this case, an uh, instance, a break from what occurs before, a bit of a break. Now, the previous verse uh, had a, a command. So we're definitely moving into commands here. Um, you know, watching yourself that you not be tempted. But it's, um, you know, restoring, restoring somebody. So here we have maybe something different than restoring. We have a bearing. So the translation here would be be bearing the burdens of one another. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Mm. All right. So there's some fronting going on there with the alelon, uh, tabara, uh, body. Um, Tavare. So one another is fronted um, in the whole sentence, and it's a genitive, right, that modifies tabara, bara. So tabara is uh, an adjective. It's a it's a, a vowel stem adjective, third declension vowel stem. So the ending looks kind of weird because there's been a lengthening, but you can see the ta on the front, and that um, indicates it's a substantive adjective. So it means something weighty. So the weighty things or the burdens. Vastazita is um vastazita is a present imperative. So be this is something that we are to be doing. Um be bearing the burdens of one another. So one another is the re reciprocal pronoun. This is something that we do for one another. Um, and you know if you're in community you know that people go through cycles. Um, there are seasons where people have it hard. Um, give them a couple of years and they'll be in a better position. And there'll be someone else that's struggling. So there's this kind of this recognition that there's a mutual caring that is to be occurring and, and that we bear uh, one another's burdens. It's a reciprocal thing. It shouldn't be just one-sided. Um, it should be something that we do with one another. And um, and then Paul adds to that, um, and thus, and in this way. So ke adds a thought to it, and utos is an adverb of manner, in this way, in this manner. So by doing this, uh, then you have anaplerosete, uh, you will fulfill, you will fulfill, you will fill up the law of Christ. So, pleuroo play, 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 uh, means to fill or fulfill. And then you have an ana, um, which is not needed. This verb by itself, uh, pleuroo, uh, means fill or fulfill. So, the ana is completely unnecessary and emphasizes um, maybe perfectively like the resultant effect of fulfillment. Um, it's emphasizing that. And in the context of Galatians, this is particularly significant, right? Because um, there's some, there's some been quite some discussion about the nature of the law and whether believers come under the law. 
and and rather they come under Christ and the law of Christ. That's what Paul has been stressing. So the here really he's he's showing that there's a a fulfillment of the law that really matters, and it's particularly the law of Christ. And so by by having this communal giving and taking of of helping one another, that this actually is what Christ wanted, and you're you're actually fulfilling, like really fulfilling, the principle, the rule, what really Christ was after, the law of Christ. Yeah, I, I. So this term or uh, tavare, um, uh, I know you you are reading it as sort of like a, like burden in general. Uh, I somewhere rolling around in my head. I know there's a discussion among uh, interpreters about this being mainly a financial term, uh, it's referring to a financial burden. I don't remember who makes that argument or where it comes from, but yeah, uh, it's, it's there in my head. That that's kind of interesting to think about. That yeah, um, that that yeah. may be what it's referring to. Paul, I think you're thinking of Corinthians, right, where he doesn't want to be a burden to anybody, and it has it's in the context of being uh, of finances. It well, comes up in Second Corinthians. Yeah, I'm so they're thinking of. I'm thinking of Galatians. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, because in Corinthians, I think it has. Yeah. But it also can mean like I don't want to be too weighty in terms of throwing my weight around, like uh, authority around. So I think it, yeah. I'm looking up LSJ right now. Lexicon uh, weight burden load it can be a burden of the womb of weights. Yeah. Oppressiveness. Yeah. Also a uh, charge. Yeah, I got it up there on the screen. Um, yeah, you know the, the various oppressive demands, but it also could be good things like abundance, strength. Yeah, so I just think it's interesting. Um, uh, if he is talking about finances here, um, because I mean it makes also makes sense of five, right? Each one should carry their own load. He uses uh, vastasi again there in six five. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's speaking to a group of people uh, in four, he's going to talk about comparing one's oneself to another person. People in three people who think they're not like who are better than they are. Um, but if, if he's talking about uh, helping each other financially, uh, I mean, it's just interesting um, that that's a possibility here. So I'm not sure I completely align with that view. Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to fit in the flow of the, the letter that he would all of a sudden just switch to talking about helping someone financially, but he has switched topics. Um, and six, one lets us know that he switched. Yeah. Maybe moving on to some, uh, a final pressing matter. Um, and if this is his earliest letter, then. Or his second earliest letter, you know, that may, uh, you know, he may be, I don't know if he's doing the collection thing yet, but. Um, I think Luke, Luke Post, so, you know, Luke, uh, he wrote his dissertation with me on the good in Paul, looking at words uh, kalos and agathos. And his interpretation of this I was, if I remember correctly, it's been many years, and his book isn't published yet. He was looking at 
Fortress. I thought it was going to be published. He, I think he was seeing a financial uh, component to this. Mm-hmm. I look at verse 6-2, sharing uh, all good things with the one who teaches, um, you know, the koino, koinoneo, uh, to share goods, things in common. So that, that suggests a financial uh, context as well. So it's very possible. Yeah. Yeah. How about verse yeah. three then? All right. Uh, let's look at verse three. Um, oh, I was going to say also for 6-2 before we move on, um, just ton nomon tu Christu, the law of Christ. And I just reiterate the point. I believe I've said it in these podcast episodes before, but um, this whole trope that we often hear sort of in evangelicalism or Protestant Christianity, of we're no longer under the law. You know, I don't buy it for a second. Paul tells us uh, here that essentially we are under a law. It's the nomon tu Christu, the, the law or the teaching of Christ. And uh, so mm-hmm. I, I just think that's an important point to make, um, that we still are under a law. Uh, yeah. It's not maybe the Mosaic law that we're under, but um, that that has reached its culmination in the law of christ which we are under yeah Um, and that needs to be what you're saying needs to be also uh supplemented by the increasing understanding that the word torah uh means instruction you know so christ embodies god's instruction for us uh as the ideal king he embodies virtue and he sets the example for us how to live and be different in the world. So that's, you know, that's to support what you're saying is that we are under authority. We are under a rule or a body of teaching and instruction. And Christ is the one exactly. who sets that agenda for us as yes. followers of him, as learners, disciples of his. We are under his tutelage, under his instruction, yes. under his authority and lordship and and everything yeah good yep. point yep um yeah so 6:3 says uh igardokitis ine uh ineti medenon frenapata erton so let me do that again igardokitis ineti medenon frenapata erton so that's another word that Frenapata. It's just not normal as an English speaker to yeah. put the stress on that last syllable, like I want to say frenapata, you know, or something like that. So, um, and yeah. a couple of things to notice there uh, are the T's and the T, um, right? They're throwing their accents back on doki and ine, mm-hmm. so you're going to pronounce them as if they're one word. Yeah. Um, so just a couple pronunciation things there. So in this verse, what I'm seeing is a lot of iota sounds, e sounds, right? So e, doki, tis, ine, ti, meden, on. So yeah, it begins, you know, the previous verse had a lot of alpha sounds. This one has e sounds. So I, you know, I don't know what to make of that, how intentional that is, but um, it's, it seems notable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this verse is, is rather negative. 
right? The, the, the one above is very rather positive. Ah, ah, versus E. It seems like E is harsher for some reason. Mm. So, uh, so this is substantiatory. Uh, it's supportive. The gar there that is a post-positive, it occurs second in its clause. The E sets up a conditional uh, clause. The E is a conditional framework. Um, e works with the indicative mood. So I'm looking for indicative mood, and I find it with doki, which is, which is an epsilon contract verb, um, to think or to suppose, something like that. This has to do with the realm of mental uh, con uh, conception. Uh, and there's different verbs that do this. This is one that has to do with appearance or supposing. There's a little bit of uncertainty here. So, and tis is the subject of that. Um, if some, it means as an indefinite pronoun, someone. So for if someone supposes, and then you have ine, this is the content of what is supposed. It's an infinitive from imi. Um, so this verb dokeo often takes an infinitive to, to complete, you know, like its content. Uh, it's a content clause. So supposes to be something, T, uh, is uh, an, an, a neuter, singular, indefinite pronoun, something. So it's kind of interesting. Um, considers to be something, not someone. So the, the neuter creates a little bit of distance and objectifies, at least shows what this person is thinking in an objectified kind of sense, thinking that there's something, um, which is kind of odd, something in some kind of special capacity, but it's neuter, singular. So it's interesting. If someone supposes to be something, implied something important, something special, something whatever, better. When they are and, not. Yeah. Whether they are or not. Uh, and then you have a maiden on. The maiden on is a uh, post-nuclear participle, circumstantial clause. Literally, just means being nothing. And here, there's probably a, there's a concessive implicature. Um, this is an, a concessive sense, although being nothing. So they think to be something, although being nothing. And again, it's just intriguing that the it's neuter singular, neuter singular. So they're thinking to be something while being nothing. So, you know, we could translate that either although being nothing or all along being nothing. It's fine. It's it's providing a an explanation of what attends them while they're thinking to be something. Well, it the reminds me they're nothing. It reminds me of two two. So I yeah. that was rolling around in my head too, yeah. right? Where he says katidian de tustokusin, and then you have uh, also two six, uh, which really is the one I was thinking of. That's parallel, yeah. Yeah, from the ones thinking or supposing to be something. That's yeah. the exact same idiom. Yeah, it's great that yeah. your mind took you back to that space because I think that's. And uh, can you go back up just a little bit? Look, look at two nine real quick. I'll yeah. go back up. But you those thinking themselves pillars. 
Yeah, to be pillars. Yeah. yeah. And that term pillars is really interesting just from uh, ancient uh, topography and um, architecture. I'd want to know what kind of pillars the, they are because you can have commemorative pillars to some mm. someone uh, important, you know. So, but but the thing is about such pillars is that they're static, you know. So, yeah. So yeah, this is the realm that we're in. Is this kind of mental exercise in regard to oneself? thinking of oneself in a certain way there's a there's an inner dialogue that's going on here that's that's inappropriate or or problematic uh and we're going to get this is all the supposition this is the the if clause the subordinate clause the if clause we're going to get the main clause in the last two words frenapata eafton they deceive themselves or he or she deceives himself yeah, that's the main sentence. So if this obtains to be true, they deceive themselves. And this is a present condition, present simple condition, the type of condition E with the indicative followed by the uh, indicative, present indicative is called a present simple condition, which suggests it's ongoingly true right now. It's it's spoken to the, the simple circumstance which obtains now. Um, so that's rather interesting. So there is some suggestion that there's some kind of arrogance happening um, in the in the circumstance of the community right now. And that verb uh, apatao has the uh, additive fren on the front, which is from frain, uh, which is one's mind. Mm-hmm. So he didn't need to use that verb. It's an unusual verb. Um, he could have just used apatao, deceive. But to <laughs> to use a friend apatao is is even more to construe the mental exercise that this thing is that's occurring inside this person. So basically, this person is a a, a mental case in a sense that. There's a deception taking place in in the particularly in the realm of their thinking, a real deception taking place. So yeah, I'm intrigued by that verb used there. It's an unusual verb. Um, yeah, it's interesting the whole idea of being able to deceive ourselves. Like you know, like yeah, a person can deceive themselves. Yeah. Um, and I kind was, of scary. How would we know? <laughs> yeah, well, I so I saw this meme posted from a former Asbury professor. Uh-oh. Uh, nonetheless, on he's been long gone. He's a philosophy professor. Um, mm. And he was posting this pro-LGBT meme. And uh, I pointed out, like, here's... This is laden with logical fallacies. Like, I can see three right away. And then a former Asbury student who was uh, under that Professor Tutledge chimed in and the uh, challenged me and basically just said, oh, very convenient that you're, you're seeing logical fallacies as if I was somehow, like, biased. And then the student says, 
professor so-and-so, do you see any logical fallacies? And the professor replies, not a single one. And I'm <laughs> telling you this story because um, the, you have a philosophy professor here with a PhD who had been in a classroom for years, a pastor here who has at least an MDiv and a bachelor's degree. And both of their minds had been so clouded and deceived, like they had deceived themselves that they couldn't, they couldn't even discern simple surface level logical fallacies on the face of this meme, right? And it just astounded me. Mm -hmm. um, and this idea, yeah. you know, what Paul talks about in Romans one, right? When you hand it over. Um, yeah, you, you just you, your mind sort of becomes so deluded, um, and you're eventually just handed over to that. And yeah. once you're handed over to that, it just it's like a snowball effect. It just keeps going yeah. and going and going. Yeah, and um, yeah, Paul talks you, about that in Ephesians quite a bit. Darkened in your understanding, having yeah. a vanity of your mind. Uh, there's a darkening. Um, there's a loss of perception, basic observation. Talking yes. to Pat Holly, you know, we're recording these episodes, really excited to get that released. Uh, and he's got a book he's working with us on, but he's basically his premise from counseling and from science understanding of consciousness that our two basic mental spirit capacities are observation, perception, and and will. And those can get off. And if we're off, we're not in reality anymore. We're not uh, able to see what is actually there. And so, yes. um, man, I think there's a lot there. And 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 people cope. Like, and I'm speaking out of experience. Going through hardship, we cope in 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 ways to uh, run away from what is true. Like sometimes it, it can be so brutal what is true that we we fill with other things and we're coping. So the reality sometimes can be very brutal, but we we need to radically try to align ourselves with that, even as painful and as hard as that can be. Um, and so this person here in this verse, 6-3, is someone who is self-deceived, uh, particularly construing their mind, the frame, as a, the Greek word frame, as a place where this is occurring. I mean, this has all kinds of implications. Sin blinds us. It yeah. blinds us. It, we all have blinders on to some extent, but sin really puts these blinders on, and we can only see what we want to see. And yeah. some some of us are looking out. This is like that's that's the view of the world. It's not very expansive, you know. And the gospel wants us to take take those blinders off. And of course, this is very painful to see things that we don't want to to face things that we'd rather not. It's a lot easier to look out of this kind of tunnel vision um, because I get to direct what I see. But the reality is, is that he wants us to fully see. And that calls us to responsibility, right? To act at times, uh, to speak up when we'd rather just see like this and just look away. <laughs> but if we got the full gaze, it calls us to responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um... Good thoughts. We'll we'll stop there. Do you want to have a parting shot, or you want me to share one? Uh, why don't you go ahead and share one? Yeah, I, I maybe have shared this on the podcast. Towards my all time favorite quote, this is if I have a a headstone like a gravestone 
of want perhaps this put on there, but it's the quote from Count Zinzendorf, my favorite quote, preach Christ, die, be forgot. Be forgot, die, and be forgot. Preach Christ, die, be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah we'll stop there and say uh yeah we hope that helps thank you for listening if you would like the episode and uh subscribe to our youtube channel if you're on there uh, or our spotify um subscribers list hit that button and then share this as well uh podcast is really starting to take off it's growing and um you know we're we're excited about that if you have episode ideas yeah don't forget yeah. Episode ideas. Don't forget us, though. Ironically, yeah. <laughs> don't forget. <laughs> don't forget us. Um, yeah, I guess that's a little uh, a little jarring to say, that. but um, yeah. So share with everybody, and uh, we're we're just excited. I'm. It's cool because we're starting to get uh, people emailing and suggesting episode ideas. Yeah. I got I got one person who. Um, almost on a daily basis, if not every other day, is is sending me ideas for the Fallacy of the Week podcast. And so many of those episodes have been based on like memes or things that he sent me. That's Jeremy. And then um, we have a guy named Kevin who's always in conversation about the podcast and sending ideas. Mm. And I'm really excited because heading into 2024, it looks like we're going to have at least right right there, sort of out of the gate, a handful of more podcasts, new people coming on. But then, mm-hmm. as you were saying, you and Pat Holly have one coming on. So a lot of good stuff coming down the pipeline, and uh, we're excited about that. So, right, when are yeah. you, you going to announce how many? What's our download like? Downloads and reach? Is it going to yeah, make an announcement I, at some am, point? Um, maybe later on, but yeah, trying to keep that on the the wraps for the time being. Um, yeah. Yeah, basically going to meet your goal. You know, yeah, that's all I can say they're... right now. What it was that goal that will be announced later, but yeah, yeah you've yeah. worked really hard at it. Yeah, yeah, so it's doing really well. I'm I'm really excited about it, and um, yeah, man, the podcast is growing, and you know, we haven't paid to do any advertising or anything like that. We're just letting it happen organically up to this point. So yeah, uh, thanks to everybody for supporting the podcast and listening and. If you have ideas, uh, please get in touch with us and let us know. So, well, we'll stop there and say uh, we hope that helps. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glosa House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glosa House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glosahouse.com today. Glosa House, language resources for the global community.